Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, National Spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. All righty, thank you very much for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. We are broadcasting live today from the Tucker Milling Studios here in northern Atlanta. And, uh, wow, the conspiracy theory folks, and believe me, um, I believe a few of them that are out there, just not necessarily uh, related to backyard poultry. Most of them are very far-fetched. But, um, wow, it's getting really deep out there. If you've been following my Facebook page regarding the fee, I think think it all got started uh, with this um, uh, non-laying conspiracy theory we've got right now. I literally, I remember seeing this early on, and they thought that the government was actually adding something to the chicken feed to stop the hens from laying, so you would be more dependent on store-bought eggs, which we all know now are much higher due to uh, the high-path avian influenza outbreak, uh, the cost of feed, uh, the cost of diesel, the cost of manufacturing, yeah, maybe because there's been a fire or two or three or seven at the uh, some of the poultry processing plant. I think I saw somebody on one of the, um, uh, what do they call it now, legacy media instead of mainstream media? I don't know about all that stuff, but um, talking about how, oh, my gosh, everything's going to change now because a processor that housed 100,000 hens uh, was destroyed. 100,000 hens, really? <laughs> That wouldn't. That's a tiny, tiny molecule of a of a drop of it as far as egg production in the United States. That they wouldn't even blink an eye at a hundred thousand hens. Uh, sad uh, may it be that these hens lost their lives to to fire, but everybody's oh a hundred thousand hens. Nothing. They wouldn't even bat an eye based on production uh, any other day of the week uh, with just that many. Uh, hens losing their lives and not being in the uh, egg production <clears throat> rotation. No, it's worth it's nothing, basically. So, But everybody's grabbing onto that because of the already high egg prices, the egg shortage, the feed prices, the inflation, and all of that. But most recently, I've seen uh, people, or at least one person, I say people, one person posted a picture of a tag from a feed bag, <clears throat> and 
I just saw it on social media, so was it doctored? Who knows? But it, appear, it apparently was missing lysine uh, out of the tag. Now, the person didn't actually say, oh, well, I, te- I checked this tag last year, and they were putting it in the feed, and now this tag does not have it. I don't know if just omitting lysine, though I know it's very important for the backyard for, for poultry. Um, we've talked about times over the last 15 years of doing this podcast, but I don't know if – or it could have been named something else. And I'm not a scientist. You're probably not a scientist. So could it have been named something else on that feed label? And this guy just had no clue that it was in there, but just named something else. So that that could have been the case. But now they're saying, oh, they are, are omitting lysine, and that's why uh, they're, they're not laying eggs now for however many months. Um, and then most recently, I saw a post – it was this morning – uh, of a young lady that was, I don't know if it was just a Facebook story, real, Instagram real, TikTok, nah, I don't know. But she had showed about one, two, three, four, five, six, was it six bags of just different grains that they had gone to their local mill or local feed store to purchase? There was one, two, three, six, seven grains. That was it. She just mixes them together and says, Hey, if we're going to be uh, making our own feed, like that's making their own feed, um, here's what we do. And um, she had uh, had bought 50-pound bags, three, four, five, maybe it was five. I think she said 250 pounds. So that would have been – they could have been 40-pound bags. Uh, but she had, let's just say, five to seven different 50, 40-pound, 50 or 40-pound, 30-pound bags of grain. And she said, hey, this is what we do, and this is how we make our feed. And she just mixed these grains together and says, here's your chicken feed. I questioned her about that on a comment, and I said, so you don't add a Vita, Vita pack, No Vita pack, no of the essential vitamins and minerals and, and, and elements and uh, 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 amino acids or any of that that, 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 that the birds really require for a good, healthy life of laying? No. So she's just going out and buying these different grains. I think there was, I don't know, soybean and millet maybe and red wheat berries and uh, I don't know, something else. She just mixes them all together. I asked her about, well, what's what's the protein percentage? And we don't know what kind of protein. She just said, she came back, she said 20%. And she's like, no, we don't add any Vitapack or amino acids or minerals or vitamins or anything like that. We just mix these seeds together however we see fit and course, we always hear this from all kinds of folks. They're happy and healthy and look beautiful. I would challenge anybody. In fact, I may have a $100 gift card laying around here somewhere in my studio from a, a store somewhere, agricultural-related store, $100 gift card. I use it a lot when we're challenging folks on either pumpkin seeds or, or um, uh, apple cider vinegar or things like that. But uh, I got a $100 gift card to anybody that can go back in the last 15 years we've been doing this show, nine years we've been uh, publishing our magazine, and the 10 years that I've been touring the country uh, doing workshops in over 38 states, to ever find where I've said my chickens are healthy. It's something I decided a long time ago to never say. And the reason being is that, say that with all honesty, look at my chickens, they are healthy. You can't look at the chicken and determine it's healthy. Don't bottom line. And and you can look at a chicken and it looks healthy and it could be shedding salmonella everywhere. It could have um, 
any number of diseases within itself um, just because their immune system hasn't been challenged with stress or something else or heat or, that, that hasn't actually had shown any signs or symptoms. Um, mycoplasma, for example, all this stuff. There's many, many diseases that this chicken, internal parasites. Um, so you'll, I don't know, in 15 years if you've ever heard, if you do find it and send it to me and I'll give you a $100 gift card where I've said my chickens are healthy. Early on, I refrained from any, any ever saying that because nobody on the planet can just look, oh, my chickens are healthy. Really, when was the last time you had them tested for anything? Never. So I don't say that. Um, oh, they, they appear healthy? Yeah, maybe. Let me pick one up and see if it's weight, if it's light. Is it bony? I feel the keel bone. Is it broken? Um, crack? Um, look at mites, lice. <laughs> so, you know, even they appear healthy. So that's something I don't do. But she obviously, because she's mixing five or six different grains and says, here's your, your feed, and they look and healthy and are happy, um, that's like saying that treats are good for your chickens because they like them. Oh, I love, my chickens love scratch. Okay, okay, they love scratch. <laughs> so anyway, that, that, that went around. That was the latest thing I think I saw this morning. People um, making their own, quote, well, that's a stretch, feed for their chickens. Um, I posted on our Facebook page yesterday, I believe it was, uh, a really good article by our guest today, uh, Dr. Bridget McRae, uh, about growing your own layer feed. And I said, hey. What's that you say? You want to grow your own chicken feed? Great. Let's get started by reading this article together. And I don't know how many people did or not um, actually read it. We, we, as humans, tend to not want to read things that might prove us wrong or think that, oh, well, that's, that's impossible or think it goes against our narrative or what we believe. But um, it's once you get done, any, any normal person after reading this article would be like, yeah, I think I'm just going to keep buying a 50 to 50-pound bag of feed up here at the store four miles up the road um, after reading this, doing it the right way, what's required with doing that. That's why I posted that so people know there's more to it than just buying four or five different bags of grain, mixing it together, and say, here, I made chicken feed. Same thing with uh, fermenting. Um, there's a lot more to it than just putting some feed in a five-gallon bucket, letting it sit there for seven days, and then saying, hey, I fermented feed. You do that wrong, my friends, and you'll have a dead flock. Um, but that's never discussed when people talk about fermenting feed. So, yeah, lots of conspiracy theory going around, lots of different – and it's really brought all kinds of, of uh, uh, opinions into the mix, uh, from mixing your own feed to what they think it is. It's a lack of lysine. The government's putting something in there to stop them from laying. It, man, this thing's gone from way beginning back in the late fall – early fall, all the way till now. And it's just it's just fascinating. It was even on, oh, what's that guy's name? We don't own a television. We haven't in 12 years, but it's that guy, Tucker Tucker Carlson. He, he was even a, someone that posted a clip about him talking about this and the conspiracy, something about controlling your food. You control the people. I don't disagree with that. You guys know I'm a prepper for 20-plus for years and have done shows on prepping and survival and things like that and conspiracy theories myself. But this one really just takes the cake, especially some of the things that people are talking about. But that's not our show today. I wanted to share with that in our host chat, which we do at the beginning of each show. I don't have a chickens in the news segment today because – 
<laughs> I did find something in the news. It's probably going to be about this big conspiracy theory about feed. Um, don't need to do chickens in the news today because Dr. McCrae today is going to be talking all about poultry research translated. So she's probably got some chickens in the news or some uh, recent research that she's going to share with us and translate for us. Translate meaning um, lots of things. Like I'm not a scientist. What does that actually mean at the end of the day after you read this this research? And how I can incorporate it maybe in my backyard. Or is it willing to incorporate this suggestion or this what they used in this research into my backyard with my backyard flock? So that's kind of what she does. One of my favorite shows we've done over the last 15 years, and we've decided to do this once a month. Uh, so Poultry Research Translated the first Thursday of every single month. It is the first Thursday of, of uh, February, and we're going to bring her on in just a minute right after this short break, and we're going to talk about Poultry Research Translated. Hey, if you have any conspiracy theories or any suggestions, I, my, my email has been lit up, trust me, after all this and all of our Facebook posts, either from Mixing Feed doing my own feed, um, to um, would, having, would, would eliminating just lysine out of the feed uh, cause all this issue with them not laying? Um, do I really need to item it? All, it? Trust me, email has been very active lately with all of this stuff, and I try to get to as many as I can. And those that I can answer, I will forward to like Dr. McRae or Dr. Pateski, uh, Dr. Kern-Gehring, uh, and guests that come on the show and write for the magazine. So um, you can send them to me, cw at chickenwhisperer.com, cw at chickenwhisperer.com. Just like the other day when I posted, uh, folks, I hate to tell you, but <laughs> adding light to your coop in the wintertime is not going to no way how, shape, or form. No way is it going to make your hens run out of eggs in their lifetime. And boy, that was a popular post. I think did that the one get over a thousand, a thousand interact, several, maybe it was a thousand likes or hearts, um, and then many, many comments and many, many shares, um, and even that got some opposition. Even though I triple checked that, I mean, we've been talking about that for 15 years, but I'm like, before I post this, I'm going to make sure that is scientifically correct. So, hey, we'll be back right after this short break. We're going to be talking with poultry scientist Dr. McRae. Poultry Research Translated as our show today, broadcasting live from Tucker Milling Studios. We'll be back right after this short break. Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving Chick Fresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick Fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Strong Animals uses plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. 
Our daily snacks, water additives, and coop refresher products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to promote digestive health and immunity. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals products. Available at local farm stores across the country and Amazon. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today to learn more. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for staying with us. I was just thinking to myself about conspiracy theories and some of the posts that have been shared I posted one. Let me. I got to share this with you. It won't take long. The other day, let me find it. It was a conspiracy theory, and it had to do about chickens and vaccines. I think this is it. <laughs> the CDC is pushing the bird flu epidemic to give arguments to push more vaccination of commercial chicken flocks. And when I just read that one little sentence, it takes me back when I was working with both the CDC very closely and the USDA. In fact, I was national spokesperson, if you didn't know, for the USDA um, Healthy Bird Program for 10 years. And I worked with the CDC uh, probably about that long as well. And so when someone is talking about the CDC having really any, any control <laughs> over, over – it literally takes me back to when they were investigating one of the many, many, many salmonella outbreaks. And I don't worry about telling you this because I'm probably on already a ton of lists <laughs> out there. But I can remember talking to one of my contacts there at CDC – about the salmonella outbreak. I had so many questions. Why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? Why do you call it this? Why do you call it that? Why do you place blame here instead of there? And I remember when I was getting ready to leave 
this person kind of escorting me out. <laughs> Still probably within view of cameras, but probably not within microphone reach outside of the building. And literally tell me a lot of things off the record. <laughs> Which just kind of blew my mind. Not only about the salmonella outbreak, but tra tra tracking that down and not being able to do what they needed to do because they were getting flack and pushback from USDA. <laughs> so if you think CDC, it's like FBI and CIA and, and Homeland, and you think all of them are friendly and work together. But so that, that cracked me up. Um, boy, I could write a book, and that would be an amazing chapter, all the stuff you learn being on the inside and things that make your jaw drop. But uh, so, but so when I saw that conspiracy theory, that alone, with with the experience and knowledge that I had, I knew <laughs> it was way out there. Um, finger pointing at the CDC based on poultry production in the commercial world. <laughs> right. Well, let's uh, let's head over here to the phone lines, and we'll talk to my good friend poultry scientist, Dr. McRae, and um, I'm too old, Dr. McRae, practically retired, set in my ways, you know, good to go, you know, just, just let it all hang out there and what happens, happens. should write a book about that. Hey, let me tell you about this. <laughs> all these secrets. <laughs> let, me, let, let me tell you about the time that I was, uh, had to send a uh, federal opens records request to the CDC to actually get information that I already knew because they told me off the record out in the parking lot. But I need to get it officially to share actually who was responsible for that particular year's salmonella outbreak. And whew, that snowball rolled and rolled and rolled. And my phone call started ringing. The phone started ringing. And it's, you know, God, we could write some books. Um, we already written five. You ought to go check them out at Amazon. Me and Dr. McRae, I know we've, we probably have co-written all of them. Um, together about raising chickens, but let's talk about poultry research translated. One of my favorite shows, if not the that you do, uh, and all of the podcast years that we've done, and because it's fascinating. I've got my notebook here. I've got my pen. You can hear it clicking, click, 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 because I'm ready to take some notes. And and because um, I I always have questions. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Critical thinking here. Um. I don't think I need to do that with my chickens because are fascinating. So we'll, you know, see. we'll see what happens. Thinking critically is a skill. I mean, it's taught in school um, sometimes. <laughs> um, right. So it's taught as part of all of our 4-H programs. So, I mean, it has value. Um, yeah, it's informed skepticism. That's mm -hmm. what we teach in college, partially. Is, um, inform yourself and then critique the information that's being told to you and inform yourself again and critique again, and it's a process. Yeah. Um, so I've got a couple of, of – um, actually, I've got three, but one's a review article, so I think I'll save it for the end depending on time. Sure. So I've got an article that – I had no idea that you were now a strong animal sponsor that is right up there at Alley. Mm -hmm. um, the title is, it's from the Poultry Science Journal, the effect of benzoic acid, 
Enterococcus facium, an essential oil complex on intestinal microbiota of laying hens under Coccidia and Clostridium perfringens challenge. Okay. Let's break that title down. Um, <clears throat> this is um, information that is in, uh, let's see, it's supposed to come out pretty soon. Um, comes from China, where they tend to do quite a bit of research on alternative ingredients and this sort of work. So I hope your listeners find this interesting. Um, here's the problem. And it's interesting that this is done in laying hens because this problem is quite a problem in broilers, but I knew your listeners would want more information. Mm-hmm. When good old-fashioned coccidiosis, starts to hang around with its buddy, Clostridium perfringens, and they get together, they have a rip-roaring good time. <laughs> and it's not to the chicken's benefit. So that sounds, now, like, Clost- when those, it sounds like when those two get together, uh, we, we, we are no longer going to have, and I think I got this little terminology from you, when those two get together, you'll probably no longer have the chicken and the gut and the coccidiosis saying, you know, you don't cause me any problems. I won't cause you any problems. You can hang out there yeah. and do your thing. I'll hang out here and do my thing. But it sounds like when those two get together, then look out. Yes. Now, clostridium perfringens is usually found in the chicken's gut. And it doesn't okay. cause problems. Okay? It's one of those bacteria that likes no oxygen. So why not just hang out in the chicken's gut? Well, what does coccidiosis do? It punches holes in the gut mm-hmm. and causes inflammation response. And once coccidia punches holes in the gut, then the clostridium perfringens gets in there. And it causes a disease called necrotic enteritis. Mm-hmm. Um. And when you open up a bird that has this problem, it, it actually the gut has a hairy cloth towel in appearance to it. It's very fuzzy looking. Now, antibiotics can fix this. No problem. Okay? But a lot of backyard flo- folks and consumers don't want chickens to be receiving any antibiotics. At all. Shocker, the incidence of necrotic enteritis has increased over the last few years. Mm-hmm. So folks are trying different kinds of antibiotic alternatives, combinations, to see if they can't relax this problem or decrease this problem. So this particular study looked at three things in combination. First of all is benzoic acid. Well, what the heck is that? Well, it's an organic acid. It's a feed additive. And for years, it has a long history of helping chickens perform well in their gut. Second, there's a probiotic that's in this combination mix, Enterococcus facium. Sounds like a bacteria. It is bacteria. It's probiotic, though. And For years, we've known that it increases um, performance of birds and it increases their ability to digest nutrients. That's what a probiotic does. Lastly, 
they looked at essential oils. Only a couple of them and only some very specific ones. Thymol and Carvacrol. Um, we know that Carvacrol is found in the oil of oregano, the oil of thyme, and the oil of pepperwort, oil from pepperwort, and also in bee balm or wild bergamot. bergamot. Uh, thymol, you found that in the oil of thyme. What they used was a one-to-one ratio of thymol and carvacrol, and they added it at a 5% level. It was actually a premix. Um, we know that, that the mode of action for thymol and carvacrol is that it can destroy the structure of coccidial oocysts. And it also inhibits the growth of gram-positive bacteria and gram-negative bacteria. So, sounds like a pretty potent combo. They tested it out. Um, it, was a, it was a combo product, and they set the study design up um, really because they wanted to see, they'd done another study and found that this combo product worked on the birds that were um, challenged with this necrotic enteritis combo of coccidiosis and C. perfringens, clustering perfringens. This particular study wanted to see if you gave this combo product after the birds had already been challenged, not beforehand, but after the fact. You realized, oh, crud, there's something wrong with my birds. You took them to the diagnostic lab, and they said, oh, you've got this. Okay, well, I'll go grab this product and give it to them. See if it helped with recovery, okay? So they knew this product worked beforehand. Now they were looking at the uh-oh after. So you've got um, three groups of birds. You've got birds that were control birds and were never given any of the coccidia slash um, clustering perfringens. Then you had your challenge birds. Challenge birds were just given the clostridium and coccidiosis. And then you had your birds that were challenged, but given the combo product. So this whole study took, uh, took place over the course of eight weeks. The birds that they were working with were already 35 weeks old. So they were birds that were already in lay. And one of the things they wanted to measure was, did it affect egg, produ- egg production and how much they ate? They also looked at the, <coughs> excuse me, the intestines of the birds, and they wanted to see if the intestines were infect, uh, were affected in any particular way. So, after setting up um, the challenge, they were those birds were given coccidiosis and clostridium perfringens daily for a week, and then the birds in the combo product. Um, group were um, given their combo product in the feed 
eggs were collected daily with all three groups. At the end of the study, um, samples of the duodenum, jejunum, and ileum were taken, and they actually looked at it um, microscopically. They were looking at the lining of the gut. So those are the, the villi, which are the little finger-like projections that stick up and hang out into the middle or lumen. And they also looked at the crypts. The crypts are the actual spaces between the villi. And there's an important ratio in there as well. It's called the villi-crypt ratio. So, what did they find out? Um, they found out that if the crypt depth, um, well, I, let me explain this first. Why are they looking at that? Because if there's damage in the in the lumen or in the lining of the gut, it decreases nutrient uptake. Um, if the crypt depth increases, that means that your villi are pushing out and increasing their cell turnover to fight damage by bacteria, all right? When they looked at these birds and dosed them with the bacteria coxie combo, both the challenge birds and the combo product group of birds did this. Um, so they were both being actively affected by what they were giving up. The control birds did not. So they didn't, you know, mess up the study and something started to happen to the control birds, right? Turns out this combination product improved lesion scores in only the jejunum area, not the duodenum, not the ileum. Um, the combo product did not affect the diversity of the bacteria that is found in the cecum because they did collect that. Um, the microbial community in the cecum was not affected. It did increase the egg laying rate by the chickens and it did actually restore the intestinal health. So that doesn't mean that you go out there and start feeding your chickens thyme and bee balm and oregano, because these are specific formulations given at a certain amount. And this is also a combination product. But it's nice to know that folks have done the work and figured out the studies to actually take a look at it down at the cellular level to see how these products are actually affecting the birds, whether it be positive or be it negative. Turns out it was positive this time thankfully. So, you know, it did actually help the birds even after they got sick to recover. You said the, I got a couple of comments too, or questions. So my first is a question. The the area of the digestive tract, did you say it was the ileum or that actually saw the most benefit? You said it didn't affect two out of the three. As that jejunum had improved lesion scores, but the others did not. Yeah, the duodenum did not, and the ileum did not. Is that, is that not. closer? That, is that 
further that's up. That's the middle. The, that's it's in the that's middle. the middle of the gut. Okay, and that gotcha, could be gotcha. mostly due to the type of coccidia that they used in their blend um, because, as you know, certain types of coccidia like to attack certain areas of the gut. Or maybe you didn't okay. know that. <laughs> no, you've talked about that before. And um, see, my second question, well, not necessarily a question, but comment also. If you go back... And I think it's the very first article that Dr. Jessica Fox wrote for Chicken Whisperer magazine. This was a couple of years ago, but you can go back and, and figure out where that was um, on the website. Um, one of my goals when I brought her on, because I know they're Ralco, who does the strong animals, um, met them at IPPE. I think, I don't know, it was before, right before or after they became a sponsor. And, um, but my whole goal for her first article is to share with folks because they they do work. They do a whole lot with all natural solutions for backyard poultry, um, and they are very, like you said, into the essential oils and things like that. But um, I wanted her to do an article mainly to show folks that she did a good job. It's not like you just said. You know, the study don't, don't go out and buy oregano off the shelf at Publix and then sprinkle it on your food because guess what? What you know. Really, because she went through the detail of, I think it may have been oregano that she specifically talked about, about how they took out of the oil from the oregano, they took a particular type and then they mixed it with, and and they found it didn't work unless they mixed it with something else. And then they had to deliver it in liquid form versus maybe in the feed or powder form. And then I wanted folks to see that, yeah, this work is awesome. It's being done. There are people that are fighting for you backyard folks that, you know, want to do all natural and they're doing the studies and all the scientific methods. And at the end of the day, I wanted them to see the, the detail and the science that's going into that so they don't just jump out and go buy thyme and oregano and things like that and sprinkle it in their food or, or start a rumor and a conspiracy theory that, hey, did you read this study? It says that the thyme is going to help cure coccidiosis. Give it. You know, and they do know that happens. So, um, but, yeah, it was a good article. You, you folks can go back and look at that. All the articles from Dr. Fox. Um, are, are really good. They do focus on that all-natural stuff. What else you got for us? Um, in the similar vein, I have this article on that's a review article on avian coccidiosis and the potential of garlic um, to be an in, anti-coccidial in broiler production. That ties in nicely to what you just said. Great. So they kind of looked at um, coccidiosis and you know what it what it does the effects it has on coxie or imeria um, they went through the literature and looked at garlic powder an aqueous extract of garlic an essential oil garlic um something that's called thomax plus pills garlicon 40 a methanol garlic herbal formula and a garlic tincture and, you know, they recognized the different active compounds in each one of those, as well as the specific functions that are they're aimed for. But, for example, some of the results were only that they had no impact or hindered something. Um, 
one of them actually increased output of what you don't want. But um, like, for example, garlic powder, all it does is hinder the sporulation of osis, not inhibit. Um, An aqueous extract of garlic does actually. um, One of the pills didn't do anything on sporulation. Um, The herbal formula (laughs) increased osis output. Um, So, you know, some of these extracts, like the methanol extract, um, the aqueous extract, the essential oil, they actually inhibit sporulation. But whether it's in the birds or in a test tube, that was one of the other details. Um, like the methanol extract was the only one that actually did anything in the birds. Um, the rest were in vitro. Um, so if you look at, uh, it's just, you have to pay attention to some of these details. I'm not saying everybody needs to go out there and do a methanol extraction of the garlic that they have. Good luck. Um, but, you know, well, it's going to be detailed. You got you've got to have the right tools and and the right dosage in order to have any sort of effect. Um, and so, different researchers have tested different um, combinations of like garlic and oregano, garlic and eugenol, garlic, oregano, and thyme, garlic powder and sulfur amino acids, um, garlic and ginger. Garlic, aqueous garlic, and pawpaw, uh, pomegranate. So yeah, it, there's different things that have been done out there, and not not always doesn't always. Um, no. But the dosages are also all over the place. So you just need to understand that you know sometimes there were improvements, or maybe there was low effect, or um, maybe it affected. Weight gain, but not much else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And the, I remember, these are broiler chickens this time that I'm talking about, not laying hens. Mm-hmm. Um, Next. Yeah. To, to add earlier, you, you were talking about um, most backyard poultry folks don't want to use antibiotics, and I'll continue that statement. Most backyard chicken folks don't want to use antibiotics until their chicken sneezes for the first time. And then the first post they make on the forum on Facebook is, hey, what's the name of that antibiotic at Tractor Supply? I can get my chicken. It sneezed. Um, And everybody out there wants to be honest with themselves. If you're in any chicken group country, you see that as well as I do. The first time their chicken sneezes or coughs, they're posting, what's the name of that antibiotic at TAC, at Tractor Supply, that I can go get for my chickens? They sneezed. Um, And so they're, they're I'm totally antibiotic until their chicken sneezes one time. And everybody out there should be laughing because you've seen it as well as I. And it's just kind of an inside joke. And I post about it on occasion. (laughs) But it happens. I don't get it. Wait, I thought you were against antibiotic use. Um, But now you're running to tractor supply to get antibiotic. So um, what's the next one? This is great. So the last um, little research study I wanted to talk to you about is a behavior study which I found interesting. Um, it's in the Journal of Applied Poultry Research where they looked at chicken laying hens 
well, chicken pullets, laying pullets in aviaries. They were looking at how providing ramps to these chickens changed where they were in the their behavior and the properties of the bones. Keelbone so damage. not to provide, yes, keelbone damage. And also humerus and tibia. But you've got it. Number one, keel bone fractures. All right, so. Yep, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Sure you don't want to go get a degree? Okay, this was was a combined study, but uh, mostly it was done uh, by researchers in Switzerland. Um, So this was kind of looking at multi-tier aviaries. So aviaries are inside a barn, several levels. Levels have food, water, perches, nest boxes, all spaced out on the tiers. And aviaries are preferred because birds perform a larger number of highly motivated behaviors. For example, the lower level where you have litter or bedding. Chickens will proceed down to that level and do a dust bath. Or they'll proceed to a middle level and use a nest box. And at the higher levels, they'll seek out the roost. So, unfortunately, the researchers had found that, um, you know, some behaviors need to be learned. There needs to be a period of time in which um, chickens need to learn how to do some behaviors, like perching. That's a learned behavior. Um, In order to benefit from all these extra movements on the muscles and the bones, they need time because just sticking chickens directly into an aviary system from a pullet rollout house can lead to scalebone fractures, and they have increased 40% in North American aviary systems and European aviary systems. Well, that's a welfare problem. Mm-hmm. When a chicken has keel bone fracture, they have lower production and they have lower mobility. So this particular study was like, okay, so what if we chicken, train the chickens to use these ramps when they're pullets before they go in to their laying hen house? And we know that ramps help with movement, helps with the bones, helps with the muscles, helps prevent heel bone fractures, but only if they know how to use them. So they had two pens with ramps and two pens without ramps. They had cameras looking at the pens so that they could see all parts of the pen. And at the end of the study, they did collect the bones, specifically the tibia, the keel, and the humerus. And so they looked at the bird's behavior when they were pullets. Starting at about 10 days of age, they gained access to the ramps. So what were some of the results? There were some interactions between time the age of the birds and how often they used certain parts of the pen and where they gathered and spent more time. 
um, basically, as the birds got older, they spread themselves out more. They stopped gathering in certain spots more often. They they were better able to kind of spread themselves out. Uh, the ramps were preferred over flying or jumping from level to level in the pens that had ramps. Themselves up one level, down a level, and they spread themselves out in the aviary. Um, there was no difference in keel and humerus bone differences in ramps versus no ramps. So the tibia, however, the tibia was better or stronger in pens that had no ramps. Why do you think that is, Andy? What are the birds doing in pens with no ramps? Yeah, they're using and executing those muscles and tendons, and when they are flying down from their uh, roost, their perch, right? There be well, that would be the humerus, them. right? The humerus is in the wing. What are they doing where the tibia would be involved? Let's see the tib, fib, and the foot, leg. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. My paramedic days. You got a broken tip fib. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't have a ramp to use, well, you're flying up or you flying doing? down. Well, what if you don't flap? Oh, jumping. Jumping. Popping. There you go. I got you to say it. There you go. <laughs> so when the birds were younger, in the pens with ramps, there were more birds hanging out on the top tier when they were younger. Again, that went away as they grew older. They spread themselves out. Um, As the birds got older, they transitioned between the levels less and less. Uh However, the birds that were in pens that had ramps transitioned from level to level more often than birds that were in pens that didn't have ramps. So I thought that was really interesting. I found that a good read. Um, They did look at some other factors. So those birds, like I've been to commercial broilers. I don't know if I've ever been inside a layer house. I know I've been in plenty of broiler houses, but I don't think I've been in a a layer house with especially like an aviary do you said they started really look they installed the ramps i think you said at 10 days old um yeah so though so in that production type the they're entered into that building when they're chicks yes and they're brooded on the floor and then at 10 days they're like they start exploring and jumping around gotcha Gotcha, gotcha. So also, and you know they're the young. Question. You know they bip around and do all kinds of things. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, and then they'll, you know, after and I and we talk about that after about ten to fourteen days, ten to thirteen days, they're if you use a Rubbermaid bin, they're flying up to the top of their waterer and then flying yeah. over to the edge of the Rubbermaid bin and then flying out onto your kitchen floor and pooping everywhere. So yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> they put the, the the ramps in there and whatnot at, at ten days because boy, they're really curious at that point and exploring. Do they, in, in that situation, though, um, 
because I've, I've, I've pictured them before and done classes with them before with USDA, but um, do they, when they're in that setting, do they tend to go back to the same spot that they laid yesterday and the day before and the day before? Because when you're saying they use different ramps and go to different, different study. But I think that's a different study. Somebody knows that, though. Somebody knows that. Like, they'll tag the bird or put a little GPS on them, and they lay in that same same nest every day. They they go back to that nest. Um, Do they? I don't know. I haven't done that work. I haven't haven't done the literature review. That would be cool, though, to to see in that situation. Do they have their favorite corner spot like mine do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you make a review article on that, I'll help you publish it. <laughs> I know I got time for that. Oh me. Um <laughs> But those are the three studies I wanted to share with you and with your perfect. listeners today. And I hope you guys enjoyed them. Two of them were about laying hands. I tried to focus on laying hands. Uh-huh. But if something, you know, if it catches my eye, I think you'll find it. Studies on all natural products, which a lot of our listeners uh, are very interested in. How can I do this more all natural? So we love that. And I think they find it fascinating, too, because a lot of them, again, uh, learn that it's it's a lot more than just sprinkling some uh, herbs on um, on our feet. Uh, and, 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 and I think they have more appreciation of companies like Ralco that, that do that study so they don't have to. And the more they do, the more they're going to find out. One day they'll come out with a product and say, here's the study, here's the literature, here's the material, and this natural product, according to this study, seems to work or help for this. And then they'll all be jumping for joy. Yay, I can use this instead of this <laughs> or that. So, uh, And the more they test, the more they'll make products that, that will work and then, of course, find out some that do not. So, Well, thank you very much for coming on the show today. This is our 15th year of doing the podcast and I think the last show that you did last month I uh, forget how many 12 or 14 years that you've been coming on so it was amazing that you knew that information so gotta love that and we look forward to seeing you in March oh do you want to share about yeah. oh the yeah Coop-tastic. Coop-tastic? yeah 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 thank you um, we have brought Cooptastic back in a modified form just to see how people are feeling about coming um, for your listeners, Cooptastic is a one-day conference here in back at the same wonderful location at the Alabama 4-H Center, and it's an all-day conference. We have several different topics that we're covering. I think I sent a copy of the flyer to you, right, Andy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Didn't mm-hmm. I? Yep. Um, okay. I don't know if you were able to share that with your listeners, but... If he doesn't, folks, give him a hard time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we've got just a wonderful set of of speakers. We've got basic poultry nutrition from Dr. Pacheco's lab again. I know your listeners really enjoyed speaking with him. He'll be talking for an hour again. Then we've got one of our new nutritionists here at Auburn University. All of our speakers are from Auburn University. He's going to talk about the pros and the cons of alternative feed ingredients. And your listeners were the ones who provided that list of ingredients that he's going to tackle. Then Dr. Baker Cook is going to talk about understanding poultry behavior, some of those things that that your chickens do 
and she's going to talk about it so that when they do that behavior, you're like, oh, I know what they're doing. I'm not going to stress over it. Or, okay, that doesn't really mean she loves me, but okay. Um, then we've got Dr. Barasa, who's going to teach you how to process your own chickens. This is not a hands-on. This is a PowerPoint presentation. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about how the egg forms inside the hen. So a little bit of anatomy and physiology in there. Then we've got Egg Incubation 101 with Dr. Charlene Hanlon. And then our favorite guy, Dr. Rudiger Hawk, poultry veterinarian. He's going to talk about internal parasites of chickens. And folks, just come join us. You know what a great group of peeps that we are. It's just $20, but that gets you lunch and it gets you inside the door. You must pre-register for this event because I have to turn in the meal count ahead of time. So um, if you'd like, you can go to Alabama Cooperative Extension. And uh, when you get to Alabama Cooperative Extension system is www.aces.edu. Um, we have on there on our uh, scrolling um, article, you'll see it scroll by and it says Cooptastic. You can click on the Learn More button, which takes you to um, what we just talked about, and you can click on Register at the Alabama Extension Store, and you will be signed up and ready to go. Um, when you get there, well, you can't show up with 20 bucks and get in the door. Sorry, it's only for people who pre-registered. So if you've got folks who are traveling from your neck of the woods, let's say, Andy, there is a hotel on site. You can always call the Alabama 4-H Center and book yourself a room and see if they have any rooms available. They're probably going to fill up fast. So do this sooner than later. Um, so if you'd like to join us, Andy, you are welcome to. Um, if your listeners would like to join us, there's only 50 rooms, so please be aware of that. And there are people who book rooms that aren't necessarily there for events like Cubetastic, so it's come first serve, first come, first serve. Um, we would love to see your listeners again, and um, I do have a special um, drawing for attendees. Uh, with something that you and I were going to repeat is I made a chicken quilt that we are going oh, to awesome. do a drawing for and um, give away at this event. So come for the information, and at the end we're going to do a drawing for a chicken quilt. You must be present to win. So there you go. Um, any for minute, questions? Thought, for a minute I thought you were going to say a 10-pound chocolate chicken. And, um, <laughs> this will keep you warmer than the pounds yeah, that that 10-pound chocolate chicken will that's, give that's the gift that will keep on giving. That 10-pound chocolate <laughs> chicken will be gone in about three days. So <laughs> that is very true. So well, thank you very much oh, for God. coming on. Uh, send me that flyer again, and then I'll make sure that Maybe I share it. Maybe it was 5-pound chocolate chicken. Maybe it was 3-pound, but not 10. <laughs> it was awesome. I don't care what it was. It was absolutely awesome. <laughs> So, hey, uh, send me that flyer again. I'll get it posted, and uh, we'll see you next month. Okay. Thank Great. you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Okay, let me give you some history for Kooptastic. The first Kooptastic was years and years and years ago up in uh, Delaware, Delaware State University, somewhere near there, Fairgrounds. Uh, I attended that one. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, and then it kind of went away for a little bit. And then I think it was the – was it the year before uh, the uh, COVID hit? Maybe it was, or maybe COVID was just about – no, no, definitely it was the year before COVID. We did Kooptastic at the awesome 4-H Center, and we had a ton of people show up. It was amazing. It was a three-day event. It was Friday night, all day Saturday, and half a day Sunday. I think it was two ninety nine, and it included all your meals and two-night hotel, hotel stay and all, all your classes. It was absolutely amazing. Everybody was awesome. I still get people calling, hey, it's going to be this year. The next year COVID hit. And so, because we were going to try to do this every single year, because it was absolutely amazing. Let me tell you, we did we did uh, necropsy. We had we had a whole class. We had labs. It wasn't just sitting in a classroom. It was, it was sitting in a classroom. And you had powerpoints, but downstairs we had labs where we were people were experiencing a, a, a hands-on, basically necropsy. We were we did um, uh, looking for internal parasites, uh, and you could bring your own poop, and then uh, your chickens poop. <laughs> And then um, the, the microscopes, and we had a portrait veterinarian uh, teaching you how to do that. So we had actually labs that we were doing, plus the classroom study, plus we had snacks in between classes, plus we had representatives from all kinds of chicken companies there, plus it was an amazing event. The food was amazing. And so COVID hit, and we didn't do it COVID. And then the next year, there was, there was kind of a secondary outbreak of COVID, so we didn't do it that year. And then the third, the, the other year we were going to do it, maybe it was this past year, was um, yeah this earlier this year, but the economy tanked, and I'm like you know people are having a hard time just buying food and car and their cars are getting repoed and things like that. I don't know with all the work it takes to put on this amazing event if it would be successful because people are having a lot of people are struggling to live, so the economy tanked and people are having a rough time and it takes a long time to plan these. You've got to get your sponsors together. You got to get your guest speakers together. So if you can go to this one, folks, uh, that's a lot more classes and education than I thought it was going to be being a one-day course. When she was going down the list, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of stuff. And then $20, let me tell you, I would have paid $20 for one meal that I got at this facility. I would have. It was that good. Um, that is no lie. So when I said $20 and she said that includes the meal, then I was even more dumbfounded because I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The meal alone is probably worth 20 bucks. Um, plus all the education. So if you can go to that, I'll, I promise you'll send me the flyer. I'll post it. And if you're, if you want to go, please go 20 bucks. Oh my gosh. And it includes your meal. But, um, I do want to look at doing Kooptastic, um, again, maybe we can, and I had some health problems as well. And I just didn't, I'm in and out of the hospital, bedridden for a while, surgeries. So I didn't have the time to put into it. It takes a lot of work. Uh, it really does. And me and Dr. McRae were basically, we didn't make a dime off of it. We didn't want to make a dime because we wanted to keep the price at $299 uh, for two-night hotel and all your meals for three days plus all the classes. Um, and then I was looking at trying to say, okay, if we did this again, the last time I started researching this, and I think that's when the economy tanked, I was like, prices are higher, the hotels are higher, the food we were, I said, you know, if I can keep it at 349, then maybe I'll try to do it. Um, and then the, the economy just came in and, and tanked. So it was, we want to do this, continue to do this every year. We want to go back to the three-day event. Um, there's just a lot of variables that need to come into play to make that right. Um, I think a lot of the folks that were even doing 
kind of the quick put together type, no providing no meals or anything like little classes around the country. They've stopped. I haven't seen anybody really doing a lot of these on-site classes uh, and, and events. So we do want to do uh, Cooptastic again. Um, maybe because right now it's the time to start planning for next year, reserving the facility, reserving the rooms, getting the price together, finding your sponsors to try to make the price for the attendees lower because um, that's uh, that, a lot of that goes into it. If we can get a lot of sponsors to sponsor things, then prices, we can keep the price lower for the attendees. So that's what we're really looking at trying to, to do. So I don't know if I have it in me to try to do it for next year, uh, but I'll definitely talk to Dr. McCray about that maybe and see what we can do about that. So, um, But it was an awesome event, and everybody's like, wow, I really want to go. I still get calls from people uh, from all over the country. I had a call from California, Vermont, and New York from folks, hey, is there going to be Cooptastic this year? No, and here's why. And they understand, um, but we got to try to maybe do that uh, again. So... Hey, I want to remind you again, like I always do at every, the end of every show, to go and check out um, chickenwhisperermagazine.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the print edition that will mail right to your mailbox for $9.95 a year, but it's available for free. The online edition, it's the same thing as the print edition. It's just online, uh, and it's free. It always has been free. always will be free. Nine years of publishing it. There's no catch, no bait and switch. And you can go to chickenwhisperermagazine.com and subscribe to that. We'll email it to you four times a year. Or you can go just to chickenwhisperermagazine.com and open it up and then look at every article that's ever been written for the last nine years on topics I'm sure you would be interested in, written by poultry scientists, poultry veterinarians, and poultry nutritionists. Um, if you're honest with yourself and you read a magazine, then you know that for the most part, because I've seen it, if you have poultry, a pulse, and a pin – they will let you write for them, and you have no guarantee of the information that's in that article is correct or right or, or wrong or whatever. They're just their opinion. So um, take a look and see how much those magazines cost just for one. And here you can get a whole year for $9.95, four issues, winter, spring, summer, and fall. But if you just like online reading, chickenwhisperermagazine.com. So we hope you'll go and check that out, and we appreciate you listening today, and we'll be back here next thir yeah, next Thursday. 12 o'clock Eastern Time. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling, with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com, on Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.